I would caution folks to think that jumping into real estate is this magic bullet. I'd caution to say this is stressful. It's hard work. If it was easy, everyone would do it, right? But you're actually solving problems and you're solving problems every day. And is it is it a lot of fun? Is it joyous to look back and see what you've done? Absolutely. I think that's the best part is standing back and saying like, wow, we took it from this and made it into that. That's amazing. You're listening to another episode of the HomePoint Experience, where we share our experiences from growing a real estate company, as well as the friends we meet along the way. This is your host, Justin Dion, and today we have special guest, Matthew Damon. Matt is a Massachusetts-based real estate developer and investor who is absolutely crushing it. Matt is actually pretty new into the game as well, only starting two years ago with the aspirations of working his W-2 job for the next 20 years and to purchase one rental property after another, every year until his rentals started buying rentals. Everything changed for Matt when he started seeing the income piling up after flipping just a few houses. Matt, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. It's great to be here, man. It's a, it's an honor. So I appreciate you having me. Of course, man. Of course. So I know I just gave you a fantastic introduction there, but could you introduce yourself and maybe add in anything I may have missed about yourself? Yeah. So my, my intro to uh, real estate really started, like you said, in 2018, 2019 timeframe is the end of 2018. Um, I'm sorry, the end of 2019. Uh, my wife and I were having our first child um, and I was reading the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And at the same time, I was working this W2 job, great company, great team, um, was having a lot of fun and climbing the corporate ladder. And at that point, we restructured our business and our business changed that we lost two team members on our team. And I began to think about like, wow, what would happen if I lost my job here? I have this young child just about to be born into this world. And, you know, I don't have any sort of passive income at this point in my life. And, you know, got my wheels turning around. Like we should try to buy, like you said, we should try to buy some sort of like rental property. If we could buy one a year after four or five years, maybe those rental properties are actually buying rental properties all that cash flow coming in. And so um, that was where our journey started. And I mean, it's, you know, you, 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 you start out with a small dream and it's amazing what will actually happen and what can actually pop up if you start taking action every day and like, you know, setting aside time to, to do, to work on your goals. Yeah, man, exactly. I totally hear that. I mean, it's once you get started, you know, once you get the get the ball rolling down the hill and it really like that, it's like a snowball effect and it just starts compounding and compounding and compounding and you start seeing the potential in real estate. Like it's a can of worms for sure. Like there's so much, many different things you can do in it. And there's so many ways that you can generate a massive amount of income. Um, so, so Matt, obviously you had a massive mindset shift. You know, you had the idea of like, I'm just going to acquire a couple of rentals and, you know, see what happens. And, you know, eventually you decide something happened, right? Something, something happened inside your business for probably, I imagine that made you decide, all right, I got to go into this full time. I got to get out of my nine, my, my nine to five job. And this is it for me. What yeah. was that for you? Yeah. Um, I think I think coaching played a massive role in it. Um, you know, getting coaching on a daily basis, certainly education. I mean, we built the foundation. We started reading books. We started listening to everything we could. I got obsessed. I, I devoured everything I possibly could on real estate. Um, we were living in Boston at the time. We we just moved out recently. Um, but in Boston, I would walk to work. So I we'd take the train one stop and just walk, walk, walk. So I'd walk across the commons every day. I had bigger pockets playing in my ears. I had any sort of real estate podcast I could find playing in my ears. And I became familiar with, you know, different strategies and different tools. And I, I call it building the foundation, right? We became more aware uh, of, of different techniques, different approaches, different ways. And, and honestly, we got motivated by that. I mean, it's when you, when you listen to other people talk about the success that they've had, um, it, it inspires you. And, and like, you can't help but want to, um, want, want to take action. They talk about proximity being power. It kind of feels like a form of proximity, right? You're, you're, you have these people in your ears talking about, um, you know, great things that they're doing action they're taking and it's hundred percent motivating. Yeah, I totally hear that, man. The Bigger Pockets podcast has been a huge inspiration of like what got me started in real estate investing as well. And, you know, the, 
probably the bulk or like, the, like you said, the foundation of the knowledge that I have from real estate investing is from bigger pockets, from hearing those stories, from getting motivated from those. And, you know, it made me even want to start this podcast and continue, continue that on and, and, and spread the, the value and the education of the masses as well. And uh, it, yeah. it really does like inspire you to get up and get going and go, go out there and go try to get your own deals. Right. hundred percent, hundred percent. And then I think coaching is a big piece of it too, because you don't know what you don't know. If you could be surrounded by someone or, or, or a group of folks that have more experience than you that have perhaps made some mistakes and they can tell you, Hey, you know, don't step on that here and go that way and avoid that. And, you know, those sort of things that, that can help you out tremendously. I mean, especially in your first deal, if you script your first deal, I think you're going to, you're going to have a bad taste in your mouth when it comes time to do the second one. So get it right the first time by having the right foundation, but don't let that fear of, you know, making a mistake prevents you from taking any action, right? That's not what you want either. And I think a lot of the people, that's where we struggle, right? The, the fear starts to overwhelm us. We, we stop taking action because of that fear. But yeah, yeah. Coaching is is so important in in the, in business in general. Uh, it's one thing that I know that personally I, I like lack on. I know I could probably have a stronger base of coaches, but what I do instead, and I could recommend to the audience out there is do what I have done. I found people like Matt you know, we'll work on a deal together and I'll learn from the experience of, of having Matt on my team now and working on deals together. And th- right. that's one way you can do it. You can, you can go hire yourself a coach or you can bring on mentors and seek mentors and find people that are doing the business successfully and bring them value, bring them something, you know, like me and Matt were able to work together because I can bring deals to them. So, you know, having someone, a mentor or a coach along the journey with you is going to, it's going to intensify everything. It's going to 10x everything. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the most foundational, important things that you need to do in terms of business, unless you're going to spend a lot of time and a lot of money making a lot of mistakes along your journey. Um, and it, most people would probably stop in, in the middle of that because they're just not getting there quick enough or they're burning out of all their capital. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, and the other thing I'd add too is there's an accountability factor. When you, when you get off a call with a coach, Coach, you say, what, what are we going to work on for the next three weeks, four weeks? You're going to sign up for something. And if you didn't get that done, you, one, you're disappointing yourself, but you're also disappointing someone else. And it, I, think, I think it's harder to disappoint someone else than perhaps maybe to, to disappoint yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you, you, can, be, you can be easy on yourself. You know, you, you yeah. all right, I'm going to get up at six in the morning and then six rolls by, you sleep in, you know, the, the, inner, the inner mind tells you, all right, I can bypass this. And you do it so many times then you, you understand with yourself that you're someone that doesn't listen to yourself. You're someone that doesn't value your own word. And it depends. You know, if you're someone that every single time that comes up, that conversation in your mind, like, all right, I got to get up at six and you get up. Now you're forcing yourself in a state that you can hold yourself accountable. But most people don't have that, that ability right there. So they do need somebody to really be there and to be holding them accountable and pushing them to, to do better. You know, like one of the things in my business is we have our team and our team is incredible, just not for, for um, the company's success, but for my success, they push me to do better because I know that they're, they're relying on me to do my job. They're relying on me to get up every day and hustle and grind. Uh, otherwise I'm letting them down. I'm letting their families down. So, um, you know, with, if I was just myself, I'd probably be going half the speed because I don't have the same the same uh, forces pushing me to do that. So having a team, surrounding yourself with the right people, having good coaches, having that accountability is going to definitely put you in the, in the right level field of reaching success. So, so uh, Matt, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, as you were saying that, I was thinking of uh, Jocko Willenek. He talks about you know accountability and discipline and so forth all the time. And if you follow him on Instagram, one of the things that he has on there is he always takes a photo of his watch every morning. And he posts it and it's like 4.32, 4.31, you know, it's like, and that's his discipline. He wants to be out of bed at 4.30 something in the morning and, and starting his routine in the gym. That's how he starts his day. That's a form of accountability, right? It's so public, right? So he's doing it partly for him and he's probably doing it partly for others. And, you know, I don't know, I think just the, it made me think of that as you were talking about accountability. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, that's so true. I mean, I've, I've actually tested that myself, like using social media for accountability hundred percent works. I went on this, um, this, this fasting journey where, um, I was going through my first five days. I did an 18 hour fast. So I would only have a certain small window that I could eat. I only had one meal a day essentially. And then on the, um, the sixth day I did a 24 hour fast. 
And then after I ate, I did a 36 hour fast. And it was, it was actually very easy because what I was doing is every day I would post, all right, 24 hours went by 18 hours went by 36 hours just went by. And I posted it on my story and it, and it held me accountable. All right. Tomorrow I got to post it or I let down everybody and no one's probably even watching, but they, they are. And I'm holding myself accountable by doing it. And then a couple yeah. months later, I went and tried to do an 18 hour fast and I broke, I broke halfway through the first day because I didn't have this accountability there. So, um, yeah. you know, for, for one thing that definitely works using social media to be your accountability. It definitely works. It, you know? it, it, it's, it's about mindset, right? This whole thing's about mindset. If you want to accomplish something, it's like the Henry Ford, you know, phrase, like if you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and being accountable and saying, Hey, listen, put yourself out there. We're going to do this or we're going to do that. Or this is who we are. I mean, that's hundred percent going to help you to make it, you know, that much better and make, you know, go the distance. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, man, mindset is everything, right? I mean, that's like the the center of everything. It, it, it controls everything and you can control your mind if you're powerful enough. Uh, you know, what, what are some things that you use to kind of like transform and change and alter your mind, your mindset? Yeah. yeah. So, so first thing, you know, when 2020 rolled around uh, beginning of the year in 2020, I decided that I was going to learn real estate um, in depth. So from end of 2019, when my daughter was born, started reading a lot of real estate books, started going out, visiting properties. 2020 came around. I said, okay, this is my year that I'm going to make this happen. And we're going to have one rental property by the end of the year, uh, maybe two. That was our goal. We said, maybe two. So I started getting up at four o'clock, 4.30, uh, sorry, four o'clock every single day. And I've done it every, ever since Monday through Friday. Uh, just for two hours because I needed two hours that I could dedicate towards my business. So I'd start my day by reading through my goals. You know, what were my goals? Some of them are physical, like I want to eat healthy, I want to drink X many glasses of water, you know, so forth, like like health-related goals. And some of them were this is what I want to do from a business perspective. This is what I want to be as a father and a husband. And I'd read through those at the start of every morning, spend five minutes just kind of like thinking through those and like not just read it and be done with it, because it's easy to do that but actually like ponder it, think about it. Um, and then I started with gratitude. You know, I would go and I would, and I would journal for like a paragraph, maybe two paragraphs, five minutes, just write down something that I was thankful for, something that I appreciated. Um, and, and that, that to me was, was game changing. Uh, that, that really helped to change the way I was thinking. It was like rewiring your brain in a lot of ways, uh, to get started in a new way. Um, and that's what I did. I did that for, I've done that for almost two years now. Wow, man. That's incredible. I mean, that that's definitely shows a tribute towards your, your rapid pace of success. Uh, because if, you know, you only been really in real estate investing for just a couple of years and you've been able to grow a amazing company, really amazing everything you're doing. And that, that goes to show for it. I mean, what I like to consider that as, as that that's like a, I call it a waterfall habit. So when you start off your day or just do anything to, that you do daily, right? So it's like, you can take a cold shower, you can get up at six in the morning, whatever it is, something that you can, it's tough for you and you have to dedicate towards it. And you have to have, um, you have to have like some kind of quantitative data on it that you can do it every day. And then it's going to falter towards the rest of your day. It's towards the rest of your week. And now you're, when that conversation comes up, all right, I want to go do this, but I got to do that. That procrastination is not there because you already are in the mindset of I already, I already own my, my mind. I already own it. And there's nothing else there that can slow it down. So that conversation inside your head is different. And, but besides that, though, just everything you're doing in the morning is incredible. I mean, think about somebody young, 21 years old. They wake up in the morning. They pull out their phone. They're scrolling on TikTok for an hour. They're scrolling on Instagram for an hour. They're scrolling on Facebook for an hour versus you get up. You you, yeah. you say what you're grateful for. You journal about your day. You write about what everything you're going to do that day. Imagine those two different days right there. You know, most 21-year-olds, most 25-year-olds, most younger people as well, that's what they're doing every morning. And if they want to be successful, if you're listening out there, you want to be successful, you got to do what Matt does. You got you to change your daily morning habits and it will change your life. I'll tell you, these phones are made to be addictive. And when we start to look at Instagram, we start to look at Facebook, what were we looking at? We're looking at other people, the cool things they're doing saying, you know, a lot of times it's like, I wish I had that, or I wish I was doing that. And 
those little small things, they chip away into, they become longer term ungratefulness, or it becomes more easy to be ungrateful with what you have. And I think when you start to step back and say like, I'm grateful that, you know, I slept really great. I, I had a great bed to sleep in. It, I was warm last night. I had food. I have food today. I have a nice cup, cup of hot coffee. You know, I think those things, it just, again, it, it's, it's, you're, you're progressing in, in a direction that you want to go in versus a direction that maybe you don't want to go in. You're either, you're either going for something, or you're going away from something. It's, there's no in between on it. Um, and, and I think that's one of the ways you can, uh, you can progress. There's nothing wrong with phones. I have Facebook, I have Instagram, I have all those things. I'm just saying you got to be cautious of what you're seeing, right? Over time, it'll chip away. Or add. Yeah. I agree. One thing, Matt, there is like a lot of people, even myself, I, I, st- I still uh, falter with building a consistent morning routine. I have my morning routine. I have my perfect day mapped out of what I want to do every morning, but things change, things come up, things mentally block you, or uh, you have an important, you, you wake up late, right? What are some things that you have been able to do to keep your consistency? So you do it every day. And think about two years ago at the very beginning, what were some of like the, the I mean, you're going to have some struggles with building new habits. So what are some things that you've done to help alleviate that process of building new habits? So, uh, you know, super tactically, I mean, if you want to get up early, get your alarm clock, your phone, my, mine happens to be my iPhone and set it as far away from your bed as you can. Right. It's yep. progressively over time because it's gotten, even though I've been doing it for a long time, it still gets hard. Like I didn't get up today when I normally do, um, you know, setting it further and further away from your bed has been something that's hugely helpful for me. Getting up early means going to bed early. Mm. Right. So like, making sure that I'm being diligent about when I go to bed. Cause if I miss my go to bedtime, it makes it 10 times harder to get up. Yeah. Um, but then I, I mean, more practically, I think like, regardless of whether you're getting up early or getting or, or not setting aside time, allocating time where you're going to solely focus on something and take a little task forward every day and then writing down small goals. So I have, typically I have a piece of paper that I rewrite out every day of like, what do I want to accomplish today? I'll tell you a checklist. There is something to a checklist, man. I mean, it's powerful. Now we're using digital checklists. We're, we're getting away from paper, but there's something about writing out that your checklist of what you want to accomplish. You tend to get a ton more, at least I, I tend to get a ton more done. Um, I think your listeners can totally benefit from the, the idea of get a checklist get on it, write down your things, rewrite what you didn't accomplish from the day prior that you want to accomplish that day. Hey, listen, there are things that should be on the back burner that are going to be on your to-do list, to list. And that if they don't get done, no problem. I think that's a step in the right direction. Um, long-term to-do lists are not where you want to be, right? Like you want to be focused on like the highest and best priority. And it's maybe, it, maybe a to-do list is long-term, not what you want to do. But I think in the short term, until you build the discipline to get beyond the checklist, you need to start with the checklist and then move on. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, anything in life that you want to accomplish, like I want to be the president for the United States. It's a checklist. Think about every small little task that you have to complete to become the president. It's just small tasks. And if every day you go and cross out a few things on that every single day, you, 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 you crush that list to 1% every day. You're going to be the president in no time. There's no way, at least you'll have an opportunity to, because, right, you can't just become president, but you at least have the opportunity to, right? Um, So, like, that's anything in life. Anything that anyone wants to do, that's all it is, is just checklists. You know, one thing, my strategy that I utilize is every night I uh, write down my MVPs, my most valuable priorities for the day. I love checklists. I love actually mapping out my whole day, hour to hour, but if I hit my three MVPs for the day and I try to hit them before noon, my day was already successful. So if my whole day goes to crap, if something crazy happens, anything comes up, no matter what it is, my day was already successful because 12 o'clock came by, I already hit my three MVPs and I already had a successful day. So now everything else is just, is extra. It, it compounds to it, but I'm a firm believer of, of 1% every day. If I can grow 1% every day, if I can become 1% better, if I can learn, if I can uh, physically abil- ability, mindset wise, anything or everything, right. Um, if I can grow 1%, then I had a successful day. So I try to map my MVPs accordingly, and then I'll just break down my schedule for that. So my first, first gap of the day, uh, you know, eight, seven to 12 MVPs. And the rest is just 
odds and ends, going on appointments, whatever it needs to be, even prospecting. Uh, but prospecting can get thrown into my MVPs too. So, I mean, that's that's everything. And I, and I, I agree with that. Some people don't like checklists. I personally think that they're very useful if you can utilize them correctly. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I mean, al- along those lines too is, is, you know, networking. Like if you want to build a network, if you want to, like you need to schedule things, right? Mm. Like networking doesn't happen by accident. It's hard to, you know, you don't always want to go out to this networking event or call that person or follow up on this, but if you schedule, it makes it a lot easier. Oh, yeah. So like, I think that's, that's a big piece of this too, is like, you know, schedule the things that, you know, that are hard and schedule the things that maybe perhaps are easy too. But if you, if you have dedicated time and you allocate some of that time towards those things that you absolutely want to accomplish your MVPs, you're going to move forward. You're going to make that 1% every day. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, let's dive back to being on topic on real estate investing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is your real estate investing strategy currently look like? Yeah. So we, we are, we're in the residential space. Um, we do single family fix and flips and we do small multifamily, both buy and holds and fix and flips. Um, we have a small rental portfolio that we're looking to, uh, drastically grow. Um, long-term, this is about cash flow for me. And it's about, uh, you know, if, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to buy larger projects, but at this point we're, we're in the residential space. We're not in commercial real estate. We want to be though. That's where right. we're going. Right, man. I love that. I mean, I love that your end goal is cash flow, right? Because a lot of people, when that you're talking about real estate flipping, they they term it as a job, and a lot of people run from it because they are trying to make money passively. They ha- may, they might even have a full time job, or the main goal is just passive income, so they don't want a job in between. So, what are some things? You know, what's your thoughts on that one? And what are some things in your business that you did to alleviate the the thoughts of a job here? Instead, I'm building a business and I'm building future. You know, for for passive cash flow. I mean, stepping back to that second question, I think that. Like when we first started out, like we had mentioned earlier, this was never about building a business. This right. was about having a, a income stream that, you know, if we were to lose our jobs in 15, 20 years when we're maybe, maybe dried up, maybe we're not cutting edge or something like that. You know, we would have some, something to fall back on. That's what this whole thing was about. It was never about um, how do we leave our jobs. This really wasn't even a thought in our minds. We were very, I was very happy in my job. I never wanted to go anywhere with it. Um, and I, I think it, it kind of happened organically, you know, to be honest, it, it was, you know, we started, we started realizing, Hey, listen, we're making more, I'm making more money in real estate today than my W2 is making. And so it became like, okay, if I'm making more today and I'm work and I'm doing this part time, what would happen if we did it full time? Mm. And so my wife and I had made the decision that I would leave my job. And we took active steps towards that. We said, if we meet these three criteria, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll leave, you know, Matt can go leave his job. We'll put all the benefits under my wife who still has a W2 income. Um, and, and, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll try to build a business out of this. And that's, that's, that's exactly where we're at. Um, so I would say, I would caution folks that, that think that jumping into real estate is this, this, this magic bullet. That's everything's, you know, hunky dory easy. I'd caution to say, this is hard work. This is really hard work. It's stressful. It's hard work. Um, it doesn't come easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Right. Um, but you're actually solving problems and you're solving problems every day. Uh, and is it, is it a lot of fun? Is it joyous to look back and see what you've done? Absolutely. It's really fun. I, I think that's the best part of standing back and saying like, wow, we took it from this and made it into that. That's amazing. Um, it's even more fun when it sells for a profit, which is what you always want. You know, I haven't had any that sold for a loss or anything, but you know, we, we've done really well, but I, I know that there's a day that will come that we'll sell a project for a loss, but listen, march forward, take action. Don't stop underwrite, right. You know, it's, it's, it's buy, right. Finance, right. Manage, right. So forth, you know? <laughs> Yeah, man, there's a lot in there. I I, I agree with 100% of all that, really. I mean, business is tough. Real yeah. estate business is probably even tougher. And, you know, one of the one of the reasons is there's so many different directions you can go. There's so many different things that you can do with it. 
And uh, that makes it honestly tough. It, it's a really pro for a lot of things, but like for Matt, for example, you, you ch- had to change your whole perspective on things multiple times throughout your journey. And that's a, that's kind of a, can be a lot for a lot of people, right? Um, it can be overbearing, but I, I like your strategy. So you decide to jump into full-time real, real estate investing, essentially when you had three criterias and you also had your wife that kept her uh, W-2 job for now right? For now, probably, hopefully in the near future, you probably have more criteria set up where she can quit too. <laughs> but what, what, if, you, if you don't mind me asking. Her career. She doesn't, she doesn't want, she doesn't want to go anywhere, but yeah. I, what, what's our criteria? Yes, that's it. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask, what was your three criteria? Well, you know, so the big piece of it was I had to replace my income, right? And then I, I think long, you know, we wanted to reach a certain uh, amount of passive income. So we wanted to pay our mortgage taxes insurance from passive income. Um, we were well on our way to do that um, and, and still are. And, and we wanted to do that this year, the year that I left my full-time W-2 job. And then I needed to have a pipeline of projects. It couldn't be like, hey, listen, this, you know, we're just going to hope and pray that something comes up. We actually had you know, three or four projects in the pipeline that were like, okay, November, we're going to close on that. January we're gonna close on that. February we're gonna close on that. So we could feel good about like we actually have more income coming in, and we're in a place that's that's healthy. And that was our criteria. So replace the income, have passive income that could cover bills, and the the third one is have a pipeline that's 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 healthy. Yeah, that's a it's great criteria. I'd say for sure. I mean, at that point in time, you're already doing a couple flips. You already have projected profits lined up, which is always awesome. And you know, you have a consistency in terms of deal flow coming in as well. So it's not just these are done. You know, on that topic, you know, what are some strategies that you're utilizing right now, and maybe what's your best strategy in terms of your marketing to find new deals? Yeah, um, you know, I <laughs> that's that's always a struggle because I think it's changed quite a bit. So, I mean, we've, we've bought projects from wholesalers. We brought projects off the MLS and we've, we've done driving for dollars and other things that have led to projects as well, you know, direct mail campaigns and so forth. I don't know that I have a really great strategy of finding deals other than be consistent and be always looking and always networking. I, I would say that that's, that's the key, right? Because there's, there's opportunity everywhere. You just have to find it. Mm. And I mean, for the listeners that are out there that are struggling to find their first deal, like we buy off the MLS, we buy off of wholesalers, we buy, you know, we, we go door knock. Um, it's not fun. It's uncomfortable, uh, but it, it can be very profitable. You start asking people, you start putting yourself out there and the universe will show up in a way that you never anticipated. It really will. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, finding deals are can be tough for a lot of people. That's why, you know, I obviously ask that. I always ask that question, uh, figure out what other people are doing to find their deals. And, yeah. you know, I think the one thing I noticed about you, Matt, is like you're very open to making a deal, making a deal happen and figuring out how you can make it work. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people get stuck in. And they're like, either it's, it's a portion of greed or a portion of lack of creativity or, or, or fear, right? It could be fear. A lot of it probably is fear of the unknowns, you know? And I think that's a, you know, a strong suit that I noticed about yourself. You're willing to forgo all that, which is pretty tough. I'd say for a lot of people. The going off the creativity thing, I think that's, I think that's huge. Um, I, I think figuring out how to be creative, whether, you know, we've bought in, we, we bought a house in Littleton, uh, Massachusetts. Um, let's see, it must've been last year. And it was a, it was a two bedroom house. And because a lot of people are not interested in doing two bedroom houses, but upon deeper analysis, it became very clear that one of these rooms was 30 feet long, 16 feet wide. There's clearly two bedrooms right there. They just needed a wall between them, you know, a wall and a hallway. Um, and it was one way where we were able to increase, you know, the number of bedroom count. And then we were looking at it and it was a small house. It was like 900 square feet or something like that. And what we did was we got permission from the town to say, hey, listen, we want to finish this garage, add square footage. So we, we finished the garage. By the time we were done, it was hard to tell that that was ever a garage. It was one of the most beautiful rooms in the house. And it was probably the biggest selling feature um, you know, of the house. So I think like to your point of thinking differently, uh, thinking outside the box, um, that's, it's something that's, that's so important in this, in this, uh, in, in this industry and in this role. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like I even been, I had a mindset shift about a year ago on that same exact topic. And, 
you know, we, we talk to homeowners every single day and we're finding potential deals every single day. And especially over in the Boston area, if you're not creative, you probably might not, you might miss a lot of deals a lot of the time. You know, you might be able to look at a project or a property, right. And say it's a, a, a duplex, right. And they want um, 500,000 for it, but it needs 50,000 worth, worth of work. And it's only going to be worth 600,000, right. For, for a fix and flipper, there's no money there. You're losing money between your holding costs, your closing costs and everything else involved there. If you're just traditionally buying that property, fix and flip it, right? right. Even if you bought that property to cash flow over in Boston, you're not going to cash flow. <laughs> but if you get creative and say, all right, now actually this two unit here, I can create two condos out of it and I can sell each of those condos for half a million dollars. And it's going to take an additional 50,000 on top of the rehab. So now we're in for a hundred thousand, but now the new ARV is a million. That changes everything. If you just look at a deal a different way, sometimes in a different light, you might see a deal where no one else has seen a deal. And that comes from experience. It comes from uh, your education. It comes from meeting people in different areas and learning what what people are doing and and what they're doing to get creative. And I I love that strategy right there. I learned that from one of my my team leaders uh, a few years ago, where you, you look for two units specifically. I mean, two bedrooms specifically, just to find a property that's you can fit a bedroom somewhere because that property is instantly going to be worth more, more most of the time if it's a three bedroom versus a two bedroom. So I love that strategy. I love that you're willing to get creative. And I think that's why you're able to find deals where deals might not even be sometimes. Right. You're absolutely right. I, you know, a lot of people have search criteria that are set up that automatically send them lists every morning and they review the list every morning. But if you could think differently about those lists, maybe it's two bedroom. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a whole bunch of people that aren't getting that. Uh, one of our properties is uh, we're actually doing a new construction. Um, it's our first new construction project. It's a uh, we we bought it for three fifty. Construction costs around six hundred. We'll sell for one point two, one point three range, um, and we'll have held it probably ten months. Um, in total, the whole length of this. But one of the reasons why this house got missed, this was on my driving for dollars. It was, I had sent these folks probably five mailers. I had called them. I had called their son because it was an abandoned house. I wanted to know what was going on with it. Um, I couldn't get a hold of anyone. Um, I got part of this story is I got lucky. So I was, I was training a VA on, on how to look at property. And uh, I said, oh, I got this return mailer from this, this house that I had mailed to the, to the owners and they were sent it, you know, sent it back. And uh, so we typed in that address and it was listed as land, but it was a house. It was a physical house. We could have rehabbed this house yep. in doing the analysis, the, you know, the ARV and the cost of, of, you know, the financials, you know, we could have either, we could have made probably the same amount of money had we just rehabbed the house, but we decided to tear it down and do new construction, which was the same return on investment, but it gave us a new skill set. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, if we make zero or we make, you know, whatever, 200, you know, it, it doesn't matter. We want to gain the skill set. And then from there, we could do this a hundred times. Right. Um, so we decided to tear it down and, and that we're in the process of, we're in the ZBA process now, and we should have approval in the spring to, to do that. But again, missing the criteria. We, most people aren't looking for land. We were the first people there because we were looking, uh, we just got lucky and happened to look for land. Um, if that house was listed as a house, there would have been 150 people there looking for it. All the flippers <laughs> in the neighborhood. Right. Uh, it's acting, it's popular. It's a, it's a place where people want to be. And it's in a market that's, there's nothing available. It's hard to find things. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that skill set of getting creative sometimes. And, you know, also in that, in that sense of, you know, not having the fear and just taking action of the possible unknowns, you know, cause like there's a lot of unknowns that could have happened with the new construction that come up that could put you back. You know, you might be in a permit process that takes 10 months. Instead, you thought it was going to take two months. And now you're sitting on this, you're, you have these holding costs that are piling up and um, that could put a lot of people off. But instead you like, I want to learn this. I might even fail through this. I might even lose money through this, but I will learn so much valuable information that I can duplicate this process if everything does go well and I can fine tune it and I can increase my profits um, You know, if I can do this successfully. So I love that, man. And a lot of people would be scared to do that. And I think, again, that's what sets you apart from, you know, only being in it for like two years and having great, you know, consistent success where some people might have a slower success uh, because they're scared. 
the scary yeah. unknowns. So I, I love that. Fear, love that. fear is very real um, and, and, it, and it impacts people from taking action. And I think like the question is like, how do you get good at, at being around fear and like, and like conquering your fear and moving forward and moving through it and not letting it paralyze you. Mm. Um, I mean, Justin, you started a business, you, 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 you know what it's like to, to look at cash flow and say like, Hey, you know, we got bills to pay here. We got to make some money here. Like, oh, yeah. how do you, how do you deal with the fear? <laughs> Man, I'm all in on my business. I don't have a lot of attachments. I'm not married. I don't have kids. If I go bankrupt, completely bankrupt, I'll start, I'll figure it out. Like, I don't have those worries that some people might, I still have really strong whys, you know, that, that gets me up every day that, that makes me want to go out and and create a life for myself. Um, But at the end of the day, I don't, there's the same fears that other people might have are like, mostly it's because of like other people, you know, their family, you know, if I screw up, I screw up on them too. And now that's starting to happen because I'm growing a a team and a company. So now it's like my, my teammates, but that's only the fire. That's more of a why than a fear for me. You know, it, it pushes me instead of pulls me back. And, um, you know, for the business I'm creating, there's, there's very little risk, right? I mean, we do have financial risk in terms of expenses being put out, but at the end of the day, you know, what we're able to create and how we're able to work deals where like, you know, partnership with yourself, we can find other investors to take care of some of that risk for us. So, so we can help alleviate that somehow, but no, we've been on the brinks of bankruptcy a few times of just growing the business. You know, you get, you, you start getting caught up with expenses. You're waiting on deals to close and you know, you're, you're piling up and then a deal closes and boom, you back to, back to square one. Right. <laughs> but I mean, most business, is in your first couple of years, it's going to be like that. You know, right. I'm putting everything in. I'm putting like the, the chips are on the table and we're just playing a game of poker and we're, we're playing it. We're playing it. And, and, and at the end of the game, either it's going to be, I'm going to look down and there's going to be no chips there or the chips are going to be all the way stacked up. And that's how I look at it. It's, it's all in. And nonetheless, even if I go completely all out, I lose everything. Just like you taking on this new construction project, imagine the amount of information, the knowledge, the education I have. That is worth everything to me. The 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 self-development, the education is going to take me anywhere I want to go. I mean, I, I've had other businesses in the past I've started and I created. And I was very easy. I had a very easy um, process of closing down those businesses because I realized that I can just take all this knowledge and put it into this new venture I have. And it's not like I'm quitting because I'm just taking what I already built mentally, you know, and bringing it along with me. And that's how I look at it. You know, real estate, I love real estate today. And five years from now, 10 years from now, I might not, but it doesn't matter because I still have all that skill set, the knowledge, education, the, the probably the finances at that point in time to jump into any industry I wanted to. So, I mean, that, that definitely keeps me going. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I know, you know, running a business for yourself, you're, you're really in a constant state of growth, right? right? Kind of what we're just hitting on there, you know, overcoming challenges and really learning from them. You know, what is one of the most recent challenges that you overcame in your business and had to deal with? Yeah. Um, I, so I recently hired two individuals on my team and, you know, mm. I, I think that, you get to a point at in a business where you're, you know, as you're starting out where you're doing everything, right. Yep. Your time is getting, your, your time is getting completely, um, you, you just run out of time, right. You can't do, you can't do everything. And so we got to a point where, um, the biggest thing that I hate to do is pay the bills every month. It, it caused me to, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't like writing out the checks. I didn't like seeing the money go out the door. And so, it became like, what do I not like doing? I was reading this book. I was listening to you know various podcasts that were talking about, you know, get the things off your plate that you don't like doing, and that was one of the things. So I, I, we hired an admin. That was the first thing we did. Uh, from there, it opened our minds, and we're like, wait a second, this is really powerful. Like, if we hire a project manager for a lot of our projects, we can focus on the things we're really good at. Mm. Uh, we could focus on finding and financing projects. Right? We've gotten really good at that. Um, it's it's where we excel. So. So why don't we focus our time and energy on that and let someone else who's very well qualified handle the day-to-day operations of the actual projects. Um, and that's, that actually helped us out tremendously. We kind of hit a home run. I'll tell you, we kind of hit a home run. Our, our, the woman who we hired as our admin ended up coming from a sales background. She was a stay-at-home mom, absolute rock star. Um, and, you know, she, she, she started taking over acquisitions for us, finding properties. So now my role is is more of the financing and actually systemizing 
where we're focused on systemizing the process, systemizing what are the steps that have to happen when we're buying a project, the day of closing, when we start to sell a project, the day we're selling, and everything in between, and building a system that's repeatable. That's all a business so, is. That's all a business is, just system. So if you can, I mean, that's your job, really. As, as a CEO, as a business owner is, I mean, you could obviously delegate that out, but realistically, that is the heart of the business. You know, if you don't build it yourself, you won't know really how to change it and alter it as you grow and as you scale and as you change things. So like, that's something that probably pretty tough to delegate out unless you had like a right hand person to delegate that to that's in-house. That's like a duplicate of you, but anyhow, like that's all a business is, is a system. So I think the sooner business owners realize that the quicker they scale, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is nothing, but whether you're, whether you're buying a duplex or a triplex, you're buying a mini business, you're buying mm-hmm. something that you need to have systems to run it. You need to be detailed. You need an accounting department. You know, you need like all these hats that you're going to put on, even if you're running a single duplex or if you're running a single fix and flip, you have a lot of hats you need to wear on. And the more you build systems and checklists and tool lists, the more you're going to respond to things rather than react. You don't want to be reacting to problems as they come up. There's, there's, there are going to be things that are going to come up on a day to day that if you can foresee them weeks out because you had a checklist, because you have been through the process, because you're thinking forward, it's just going to make your life easier. It's going to make it less stressful. And and that's a big piece. Yeah, definitely. What does your process look like in terms of building systems? Do you just like write it down on a piece of paper, like SOP process, or do you actually use like a software for it? So we started out with, uh, we started out with two approaches. One was a written down SOP that we would write down in like a word document or Google draw a Google doc. We would have checklists. It'd be a checklist of do this, do that, do this, do that, make sure we've done that. And that was very helpful. Um, as complexity and some of these things began to rise, we also created, um, we would take zoom and, and record zoom sessions and post it onto YouTube and a page that only we could see. And it would show you how to go through certain processes. So if you read the checklist and you're still like, ah, I have questions, you had a visual uh, this is exactly this person walking through this exact checklist. And that was really helpful. So we, we did that for a while. Um, now we've added Trello. Trello is our new tool. Trello is relatively new to us. Uh, we're super excited. Monday.com, Trello, they're kind of the same thing. Yep. And what they are is they're tools for project management or process management. Um, and, and you can kind of customize them in any way, but they, they have checklists. They have, they have, um, process guides of that you create. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've used both those before. I mean, I even used them as a CRM at one point, just playing around with it. They're pretty cool softwares, but nonetheless, I think it's really creative what you're, what you're doing. And, you know, if you're out there building a business or anything similar, even just flipping a property or two, you're going to want to have some kind of standard of operation, some kind of like something you can look at that's concrete that you can give to somebody that you can give to someone that's never flipped a house before and they could be able to take it and utilize it and go be successful with it. And um, if if you can do that and create it so an eight-year-old could understand it, then you have a real system in your hands. And now you can now you can start scaling, duplicating and growing from there. Now I, I love that, that you're doing that. And I mean you're what you what you realized was ask who, not how and what am I really good at and how can I just focus on that and how can I scale that? And that's what you're doing. And that's how you're able to have multiple, multiple flips going at once. That's how you're able to find really good deals. And that's how you're able to grow at the pace you're able to grow at, which is incredible. Yeah. And I would say that the other piece to that is like by using instead of a checklist, but a digital tool, I mean, Mm. the more you can visualize where you stand and what needs to be done, the easier it is for you to comprehend things. Like we understand things visually where, you know, and and so having a tool like Trello, like monday.com, having a system in place that's written down, you're able to sidestep a lot of, a a lot of hurdles and and just accelerate your growth. Um, And so it's, 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 it's a lot of work to set those things up, but the dividends that they produce are immense. Uh, and, and I think that that's, I think that that's huge. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's one of the most instrumental factors of growth and scalability. Cause if, without that, you're going to stay stagnant. And if, if you're someone out there that's stagnant right now, I guarantee you that's probably one of the most likely reasons for why you're stagnant because you don't have proper systems set up. You're trying to do everything. You're wearing all the hats and you're not 
really delegating out stuff and you're not focusing on what you are really meant to be doing inside your business. Right. And it's uh, it's good to work inside your business. There's a point in time for that, especially at the beginning, but there's a even stronger point in time that you got to work on your business and you got to be able to focus your energy and time to do that. You know, the, the quickest I was able to focus on my business, I did, you know, I, I hired cold callers, acquisitions managers, um, right off the rip, right off the rip of starting my business. Cause I understood that is the revenue generating activity. If I can have people finding deals on a regular basis, then we, then we just can keep growing from there and just systemizing that out and delegating it and growing it and getting more of those. Um, and you know, we, we scaled up too quickly without having the proper systems in place and we had to scale all the way back down. So good example of, uh, why you really do need good systems. (laughs) Yep. Yep. But, um, but yeah, man, so what is that? I know, I know uh, we were actually speaking the other day outside of one of our properties that, you know, you're starting to look for 25 unit plus buildings. Tell me a little bit what the future looks like for you. Cause I'm super interested. I know you have a, a vision right now of where you're going. I'm sure. It's going to change, but what is that today? What does that look like? Yeah. I, I mean, it comes down to what my end goal is. I'm thinking lifestyle by design, right? And so mm-hmm. where do I want to position myself 10, 15 years from now? And when I begin to think about what do I, what do I want to do? And even like, get, think about like, where, where, what do you want your tombstone to say? Like, what do you, where do you want to be? And as I began to work through that exercise, I was like, okay, uh, you know, I, I want to be a mentor. I want to be someone who can train other people. I want to be someone that can, um, that can focus more on giving back. And so I was like, okay, well, that, these are great things. How do I get there? I was like, okay, I want to build a business that has passive income as a result of it, that I can step somewhat out of that can continue to run. And for me, I felt like fix and flips was not, not the way I wanted to go. A lot of work, a lot of energy, uh, not passive. It's very active. Um, and I began to think about, okay, passive income. How do I get that? It might be books, right? You could get it from books. You could get it from copyrights. You could get it from systems, you, tools you build, trademark and trademarks, so forth. For me, it was about multifamily. I wanted to be a multifamily. I wanted apartments. Uh, and you know, I have a number that, you know, I want to get to at some point that I think I can. So I have a 10 year goal, like, you know, I want X month coming in and, you know, and so forth. And all of my goals ladder off off of that. So when I start to think about passive income, it's really, it's, it's really got me going in multifamily. It's really got me going and thinking about next year. I want to get 50 units next year. How do I get that? I don't know. I'm at 10, right? I got a long way to go. <laughs> um, that could be one was, deal though. That could be one syndication deal with you have all the skill sets to make happen. Exactly. And I think that the, I think the fix and flip experience has given us the ability to come in and do a value add on mm-hmm. a, a, a place that has, you know, deferred maintenance and so forth. Uh, and to come in, re, you know, you fix it up, you get it fully rented out, you do the bird model, but you do it at a much larger scale. You're doing it at scale. Um, and the other thing is like commercial real estate, they, they look at all of this as a business. So they underwrite banks, underwrite this as a business. They look at your NOI, your net operating income, and they say, how much income are you producing? What does that look like? And if you can increase that pretty substantially, you've increased the value, you know, exponentially. And so that's, that's where I want to, that's where I want to play. That's the, that's the place that I want to play long-term. So yeah, next year, I, there this year, 2023, uh, 2022, excuse me. I don't know what year we're in. <laughs> I, I definitely want to get to 50 units. And, and so I am looking for, for bigger, bigger projects. Um, I, and I, I can't do it by myself. Real estate investing is a team sport, especially when you get into bigger things. And so folks like yourself, Justin, others, you know, that want to be part of this, that, that, that have some experience, you know, this is a team sport. You can't do it on your own. So it's, it's, it's where partnerships and syndications and, uh, uh, and the like come together. So, yeah, man, totally agree with that, man. I just got excited listening to your story, <laughs> to your vision, man. I love that. Cause I mean, that that's what you got to think about, right? When you, when you get into this business, you probably have an idea in mind of what you're trying to get to, but you've really got to think on like, what do I really want? What, what is that? Like, what am I doing this for? Right. At the end of the day, it's probably to, to build a life for yourself where you don't have to work if you don't want to work. Right. Where you can build up enough passive income one way or another of money's flowing into your bank without you doing anything for something that you set up five, 10 years ago. Right. That's the goal for a lot of people, I would imagine, because that could 
alleviate everything, all the stress money gives to you. It can open up your life, your time, everything that you really want in life. Right. I mean, personally, I know, like, I love to work. I, I love growing things. I love doing what I'm doing. So like, I don't see myself like quote unquote retiring and I'm sure you probably the same, but you know, you want the flexibility to spend time with your kids, with your family. And you know, if you, if you can work a couple hours a day four hour work week type style, you can do that if you wanted to, or you can just chill and, and yeah. relax and, and eat off the fruit that you were able to produce from what you're doing now. It's your time on your terms. Mm. And I think that that's a very powerful way to think about it. And then the other thing is like, I love to work too. I, I, I actually really enjoy working. I find it very fun. I find it exciting. And at some point, both of us are going to have enough income where I think that what we could focus on next, which it gets me really excited as we start to think about is philanthropic capitalism. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of building businesses that just generate you know, returns for others, returns for a cause, might be feeding the homeless. It might be building a school to train people you know, how to fish, whatever, as opposed to giving them a fish, like giving them a sandwich, that kind of thing. I, I, I think philanthropic capitalism, I think that that's, when I think about where I want to go long-term with my life, that's something that I want to do. I want to build businesses that can produce income that give back. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly want to have some for, for myself, uh, but, but giving back to others, I think is, 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 is a huge piece of this. Yeah. I find that uh, a common similar trait between a lot of real estate investors. I think at, at least the successful ones. And the reason why I say that is because real estate's super tough. It's super challenging. But if you receive the intrinsic value from one, one thing or another in terms of the process, then it's going to keep you going. And what I mean by that, so say you're a real estate agent. You know, if you don't really find true value in helping out your clients and seeing the smile on their faces when they're able to give them a successful sale or put them into their first home, or you're able to transform a home. And then, you know, from, from an ugly house at one point to a beautiful house. And then you're able to help the person that obviously sold the house. You're able to help the person that purchased that beautiful house. And if you get that intrinsic value from that, you will be successful, I think, because that's going to keep you going, right? And I find that a common trait between a lot of real estate investors, again, at least the successful ones, that they have that passion for philanthropy, for you know, helping others. Because if you don't have that, you're probably not going to make it. You're going to hit a road roadblock and there's not going to be enough why in your way to keep going rather than, rather than what you have. But helping people, man, that's a powerful one, I tell you. It really is. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love that, man. Uh, one thing I wanted to, I wanted to hit on, I, we, we skipped over this before, and it was one of the, um, one of the skill sets that you're really great at and what I know for so far is you're able to, you know, this goes into what you're about to do in terms of your future and what you're already doing successfully now. You're able to raise money for these projects at a, at a pretty amazing scale, right? You, you borrow money a lot. You are, you're able to round up and raise capital. So you're able to acquire multiple properties at once. So you can lower your risk into it and help other people get a great return on investment. Uh, so they can also become investors and partners in the project as well. So what are some, I, I know a lot of people out there want to know this, want to, want to find different techniques and ways to raise capital, to buy flips, to buy, buy and holds, to buy, to, to, to do syndication deals. What are some techniques that you utilize to raise money? successfully. Yeah, I think I think a big piece of it is putting yourself out there and asking for it. Mm-hmm. Um we we have raised quite a bit of money over the last couple of years. Uh we a lot of it not from family. Uh we tend to we've tended to shy away from family. Um it's it's been people we don't know. A lot of the cash that we that we've raised has been from people we don't know or people that we're not very close with that we've become close with. Um and we've built up trust with them. And I think a big piece of it is we started to publish on social media some of the things that we were doing and get people excited about it. We had good deals. We had numbers that made sense. And because the numbers made sense, when you get the deal, I think a lot of people are saying, a lot of people's worry, and this was certainly my worry, especially in the very beginning, is we don't have the capital to do this. Now we never have the capital to do it. It's it's not, it's not, we don't even, we don't, we don't even think about it. We just say like, this is a good deal. Let's go raise the money for it. And it becomes like this just natural exercise as opposed to saying like, okay, do I have enough in the, my bank account? It's not about that. It's really, it's really about like, if the numbers make sense, we'll take a small risk. You know, we'll put it under contract with a small earnest money deposit that, Hey, listen, if we lose it, it's not going to make or break us. Do we want to lose it? Absolutely not. Have we lost any? No, we haven't. 
because because the numbers have made sense and we continue to put us out there. We have a list that we've crafted. Um, and I would say that that's the first thing, go through your phone. You have a million dollars sitting in your phone. You just don't know about it. You, you start to put, go through your list of contacts, go through your list of relationships, people you know, and just say, hey, listen, I want to talk to you about an opportunity. You talk to them about an opportunity, you end that conversation with, hey, who else can I share this opportunity with? You have two people that you could recommend. You'd be surprised at where that conversation will go and who you'll end up having conversations with. People you never expect. People that have been involved in real estate in years past that want to get back in. Um, that, to be, that to us has been something that's very successful. Put yourself out there on social media and you're not asking for anything. You're offering opportunities. Uh, this is, this isn't, no one's being, no, this isn't a charity. No one's giving you money. This is a business and this is a business opportunity. If they want to be part of it, they'll reach out and just continue to push and continue to ask. Don't, don't be obnoxious about it, but you know, put the opportunity out there. Every time I put the, the opportunity out there, one of the things I, I, I do as well is, you know, I say, if you don't want, if you don't want to hear these requests, just let me know. And we'll take you off the list. You know, it's no big deal. No one's no one's come back and said, no, please take me off the list. I'm tired of hearing about this. People get excited. They, they like looking at what you're doing. They get excited about it. When they see, we, we have a monthly newsletter that we produce and they see progress on a regular basis and they can get really excited about like, wow, look at what's going on. But if you don't produce anything, no one knows what you're working on. So produce content and people will know exactly what you're working on. Put yourself out there and just ask for it. Present the opportunity. I love that, man. That's incredible. I know that's some, that's some really great value for people out there that are looking to raise capital. I mean, even myself, man, like that's something that we will probably start utilizing as well. <laughs> yeah. And I think like if there, you go out, get your documents, get your promissory notes, get your mm-hmm. guarantees ready, um, put your packet together. You need to have a packet. You need, you need to have a business plan for it. Um, you know, our first deal, we, 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 we didn't raise any money for, but ever since then, We've raised money for every one of our deals. Um, you know, we 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 actually haven't now at this point. We usually don't put any cash into our deals or 100% finance, um, but we have a lot of experience with it, and that experience is something people can trust, and they get a great return. And I think yeah. the big piece of it is you're creating win-wins, not just for you, not just for me, but for someone else as well. And you got to leave a little bit of meat on the bone for them, and it can work out really nicely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. And, and even if you can't do that successfully or want to get one under your belt before, you know, you start reaching out to these people to give yourself more confidence, find another investor to partner up with you. Go 50, 50 on the deal. I mean, yeah. there's, there's tons of investors that are looking, that are hungry, hungry for a good deal. So if you have a good one, just go find an investor, partner up, get that experience under your belt. And now you have that, that certainty. So when you're talking to someone, all right, now I have this other deal. You know, I can go raise the capital myself and go flip this myself. And I have the connections and resources to get it down to the finish line because that investor has introduced me to contractors. They introduced me to lenders. They introduced me to the attorneys, uh, the the documents necessary to, to create, to get that deal ready. So, I mean, that's what I would do. It's either or or both is a combination of how you can be successful starting out in real estate with little capital or no capital and you want to mitigate risk. That's probably what I would do. And that's some great recommendations there, Matt. Joint ventures are definitely a fantastic way to get going. You don't need to bring anything to the table other than time and energy and a willingness to work hard and to try. Um, I, Justin, you and I are on a joint venture, right? We, exactly. We're doing a joint venture together. And, uh, and, and you get to be part of the process. Like you said, you get to be familiarized with my team, with the, with the, with the, with the documents we use, um, with, with the meetings that we have. Um, and it gives you, it gives you a sense of like, what is, what does an overall construction process look like? Everything from the beginning stages with demo to rough-ins to, you know, you know, paint and trim and getting it all the way through. Yep. You get to go to the projects, you get to see it and, 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 and you get a good return out of it as well. So it's, it's a win-win for all of us, you know? So exactly. there are opportunities out there and they're everywhere. Exactly. Yep. I mean, it's a, it's a case study of these opportunities are here because we're able to create these, this opportunity that we are working on together. So it's definitely possible. If you guys are out there, you guys can figure it out. You just got to be realistically, you got to take massive, imperfect, decisive action and you'll get it done. So Matt, um, I want to ask you, and we got a couple questions here. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I know we went over a lot of advice and tips throughout this podcast, but what is one piece of advice that you'd give to a new investor just getting started? Um, I'd go back to the conversation we had earlier around 
uh, schedule your time. If you, if you want to get something done, time box it, put some, put, put, put it, put a schedule together that says from this time to this time, I'm going to focus on taking one step forward. So one step every day. Love Love that, man. That's incredible. That's a great, great advice for them. And Matt, where can more people learn more, find more about yourself and connect with you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, Matt Damon, Matthew Damon. Um, connect with me there. Uh, we're on Instagram under Broadleaf REI Boston. Um, REI is Real Estate Investments uh, Boston. So, awesome, man. Awesome. There. Well, also, uh, ta- I'll put the information uh, for that into the show notes. So if you guys are listening, want to connect with Matt, definitely do that. I'm sure he's always looking to connect with other investors out there, uh, especially if you bring him a good deal. You know, I'm sure he's always looking for good deals, especially the big ones, because we're looking for 25, 50 units next year. Uh, So so go out there, connect with Matt, and hopefully you guys can get some deals together. But Matt, that was all the questions I have for you today. You know, I know I personally learned a lot from your journey. I knew I would. I knew I was excited for this podcast. Uh, You know, just really learning about your whole process of starting and and growing as a real estate developer and investor. And, and, you know, I'm I'm super excited to see about your long-term vision, your success in the future. I I know it's going to be incredible, and I know we're going to be able to work long-term together, which is awesome. Anyhow, man, I really appreciate your time hopping on today. Good luck with everything you have going on. And thank you for sharing your experience. Dustin, thank you so much for having me. Been a pleasure to be on, be in front of your audience. Uh, You you ask great questions and uh, definitely looking forward to doing a lot more business with you too. Thank you so much.